This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Here we are, the final two games before the Qatar World Cup. With nothing scheduled for October, this is the last chance for Gareth Southgate to assess his squad. In fact, you have to go back to 1981 for the last time England didn't play in the month of October. In what has been a disjointed Premier League season of late, due to the sad passing of Her Majesty the Queen, England are in action in the Nations League, away to Italy on Friday the 23rd of September and home to Germany on Monday the 26th. Incidentally, my tribute to Her Majesty can be found on a recent episode where I reviewed the Lionesses games against Austria and Luxembourg. That was episode 218. Also, since then, I've also released the latest in our World Cup series. This time, we looked at France 98 with the help of Mark Palmer. That and the Lionesses episode can be found at your podcast provider of choice or 3 com. And as this is a preview episode, as always, I'll be joined by a couple of guests who know a little more about our opponents than I do. But first up, though, Gareth Southgate announced his latest squad on Thursday, the 15th of September. So it's a 28-man squad for these two games against Italy and Germany. There is plenty to discuss. So first of all, let's just run through it. So I've got it here. Uh, Three goalkeepers, Dean Henderson, Nick Pope, Aaron Ramsdale. Defenders, we've got them coming out of our ears. There's 12 of them. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, Mike Gay, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Vicioio Tomori, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker, incidentally, is the oldest player in the squad. Uh, just ahead of Kieran Trippier, who has recently turned 32. Midfielders, we've got five of them. Jude Bellingham, uh, in contrast to Kyle Walker, he is the youngest at 19 years old. Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice and James Ward-Prowse. And then our forwards, eight of them. Tammy Abraham, Jared Bowen, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish... Harry Kane, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling and Ivan Tony. Um, Raheem Sterling, the most experienced with 77 caps. And Harry Kane, of course, has the 50 goals. The most inexperienced player is, of course, Ivan Tony from Brentford. Uh, just ahead of him, though, with one cap is Dean Henderson. Will he get uh, another shot at the goalkeeping position. We shall find out. It's a squad with an average age of 25.6. It's got 684 caps across it and 106 goals. As I mentioned, Harry Kane has 50 of these. Uh, I'm mentioning this squad on the day of its announcement, so we may have to edit in a few players that either have pulled out or have been recalled in. But on the club front, it is divided up as follows. There are five from Manchester City, four from Chelsea, two from Newcastle, Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham and Manchester United, one from Nottingham Forest, Liverpool, Everton, Crystal Palace, AC Milan, Dortmund, Roma, Southampton and Brentford. Now, we will go through the players that are sort of being spoken about in a moment, but there are obviously a few omissions. Uh, There is no Jordan Pickford, which we all knew was the situation, following his thigh strain he picked up against Liverpool. Ben White of Arsenal um, is a surprise 
considering his start to the season. Uh, as an Arsenal support myself, I don't want to come across bias in any way. But yeah, I am surprised at that one, I have to be honest. Chelsea's Conor Gallagher, he was in the last squad. He's not made it this time. However, he has been called up to the under-21s. Which is, I wonder how that makes a player feel. Not picked for the senior squad, but then is picked for the under-21s. It must There must be some sort of thought process there. Surely. Leicester's James Madison. (laughs) Still yet to add to his one cap against Montenegro in that 1,000th game at Wembley in 2019. I'm not quite sure what more he has to do, to be honest. Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. He's out with an injury. Is that the end for him? Will he make the final World Cup squad? He's not featured for England since the Switzerland game in March. And the Manchester United pair, Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho, both not selected. Although it has to be said, Rashford does have a slight knock. Uh, But both of them have been doing really well of late. Sancho, I thought this was an ideal opportunity to to bring him back into the fold. but, But no. So, on to this squad. We really need to be considering these games as being our starting lineup for the Iran game on the 21st of November. And it's safe to say that many of these players have had indifferent starts to the season, what with form uh, and injuries. Obviously, Pickford is out, so I'm not 100% sure who's going to start in goal this time around. All of them are fully capable. Although it does have to be said, though, that Ramsdale, he was in goal for that hungry game. That may go against him. In defence, as I say, it's quite heavy with 12 to pick from. Obviously, Harry Maguire uh, has caused quite a stir. He's been out of form. And whilst it's easy to say he, he very rarely lets England down, much like Pickford. But I'm not sure Southgate, by saying the other week that he's already considered him and he needn't worry about his place, was a wise thing to say. Eric Dyer is back in after last playing in the 4-0 win over Iceland in the 2020 Nations League game at Wembley. Uh, You'll remember that one? No? (laughs) I forgive you. It was one of those behind-closed-door games. But even though he's been out for a while, he'll come back in. He knows the setup. He knows the drill. He should just be able to slot in, trouble-free. I think it's a good pick, Eric Dyer. It's worth noting that John Stones won't play against Italy. As you may remember, he was sent off in that last game against Hungary. Scored a cracking goal recently, though, in the City's Champions League win, though, didn't he? Although possibly overshadowed by Haaland's effort. Great to see Kieran Trippier considered again. Trent Alexander-Arnold. You can't deny his quality... But the more he's played recently, I think his defending has left a lot to be desired. Midfield, Jude Bellingham. He needs to be given the green light. Go run the show. Amazingly, he's already got 15 caps to his name. Gareth, I beg you, let him loose. Take the shackles off of him. Mason Mount, I'm afraid to say, I think he's one of those few players that has been picked on past form. We know what he's capable of, and he's shown it previously, but perhaps not so much of late in an England shirt. And I'm beginning to worry about Calvin Phillips. I have to be honest. I'm wondering if the move to Manchester City has been a good one. At the time of recording, he's just got the one Premier League appearance as of this squad announcement. And I that's that's not what we need, really. I'm thinking back to the, the Euros and, and the influence he had and the impact he had uh, on those first group games and as the tournament went on. We're not seeing that now. And I'm I'm concerned. As always, I'm glad our overseas players are getting recognition. Tammy Abraham over in Serie A for Roma. Um, Jared Bowen, again, called up. He played a part in every game. Of those uh, of the Quartet of Nations League games in June. So he's got four caps to his name. Has he been his best of late? I'm not so sure. 
And another player who has possibly had the wind knocked out of his sails, again, maybe down to that move to Manchester City, Jack Grealish. Has he done enough to stand in the way of possibly Jadon Sancho? Touch and go, I'd say. I think Grealish can count himself a little fortunate. Saka, he hasn't been firing on all cylinders either of late. Uh, as an Arsenal supporter, uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little concerned about him too. But the amount of games he's played at such a young age. And then the, the only real surprise, if you can call it that, is the call-up of Ivan Tony from Brentford, who incidentally is the first player from there to be called up since Les Smith in 1939. So great achievement. And whilst I've said before I've been a little indifferent to him, I'm unsure whether he'd be able to make the step up. But the fact he's been scoring of late deserves his chance. But he was doing that a while back, wasn't he? People were calling for him to be picked squads ago uh, when we had that March window against Switzerland and the Ivory Coast he wasn't selected then the four Nations League games in June he wasn't selected then so with two games to go Gareth has picked him now surely he has to go to the World Cup or this is a waste of a squad place how's he going to fit in was he not good enough six months ago when he was scoring regularly I don't wish him well I'm just more confused by the timing of it. I think even the most ardent of Southgate supporters are becoming frustrated now. Some of his choices are illogical. Many will point back to a time when he said that he wouldn't pick players on their reputation only. And that's probably the first time I've mentioned that. But it is beginning to haunt him now. If these two games don't go to plan and the World Cup goes awry, and this may well become his epitaph. So after the weekend's games, it appears that Calvin Phillips is the only withdrawal from the squad with a shoulder injury. How this affects him going forward to the World Cup, though remains to be seen. And it would seem in his place that Jordan Henderson has been recalled. He's miraculously recovered from a thigh injury since the squad was announced. No, I don't get it either. But Jack Grealish, he celebrated his call-up, didn't he? By scoring in the first minute of Manchester City's victory over Wolves. Perhaps I was a little harsh with my words. So let's take a look at our Nations League table as it stands going into these last two games. We're in League A, Group 3. And Hungary, they're top of it with seven points. Germany second with six. Italy third with five. And we are currently bottom with two points. Those courtesy of the draws against Italy and Germany. And of course, the other two results were the June defeats to Hungary. 1-0 over in Budapest and the 4-0 whooping at Wolves. We can't escape the fact that relegation is a distinct possibility. Some may say that the Nations League is just glorified friendlies. But I think we need to understand the repercussions, should we go down to League B will knock on to our future seeding for the European Championships. There's more to it than just glorified friendlies. Although from a travelling perspective, the idea of going to and experiencing some new places, I must admit, does hold some appeal. But that's something else entirely. When we face Italy, Germany, they'll be hosting Hungary in Leipzig. And then when Germany come to Wembley, Italy they'll be travelling to Budapest. In order to try and survive this group, first and foremost, we need to worry about ourselves. We need to win both games. Then, ideally, we need to hope that Hungary do us a favour and either win or draw their games. The game against Italy will be the 30th meeting between the two sides. 29 games previously have seen England win eight times, 11 draws 
and 10 defeats. Of course, the most high-profile match between the two being the recent European Championships final. That I might add, ended in a draw. Of course, Italy won on penalties. Uh, Only once before has this fixture been played in Milan's San Siro. 13th of May, 1939. It was a friendly game that ended 2-all, with an England team that featured Stanley Matthews. And of course, Germany. They need no introduction. Most recently was the Nations League game away in Munich, where Harry Kane rescued us a point. This fixture, of course, has a lot of history behind it, either against West Germany, East Germany, or a united Germany. There's the 1966 final, the 1970 quarter final, the 1990 semi final, Euro 96, the last game at Wembley, and of course, the 2020 European Championships second round match. Now it's time to catch up with a couple of our guests. to Italy first. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast England fan Stuart Jones who lives and works in Italy. Stuart hello there. Hello. You all right? I'm fine thanks yeah we're at the end of the summer here so it's still very hot. I've got a private English school in Cosenza in Calabria. Ah. So whereabouts is, is that? The very south the toe of Italy. Ah. So in the extreme south which is generally uh, the poorer part of Italy, as you probably know. The south's a bit poorer. The north, where Milan is, where the game is next week, is the rich industrial commercial centre of Italy. How did an Englishman find himself out there? A long story. 2003, I was living and working in London for British Telecom, and I met a boy called Johnny in Australia. I went to Australia for one year, the usual gap year. Yeah. And we remained friends. He was from Burnley. In fact, his dad, Colin Waldron, was a captain of Burnley when Burnley were a good team. And his dad played for Manchester City too for a while, but he was captain of Burnley for years. He used to teach English and he used to go Portugal, Spain. And every Easter, I'd go and visit him and his girlfriend, wherever they were. And this particular year, they were in Cosenza. And I came and I basically, my wife was a student of his girlfriend. And we met in the pub on a Friday night. We spent all week together after that going out. And we continued a relationship. We we got married in 2005. Yeah, I had a son, Nicholas, who's 16 now. And so I'm 18, 19 years I've lived in Cosenza. That's it. Basically, my story is that I've got a a small English school with about 100 students. Well, obviously, the the game is going to be in Milan. Um, Before it was announced, there was a lot of talk with England fans going, oh, where's it going to be? Is it going to be in in Turin at the new Juventus Stadium like it was previously? Will it be in Rome like it was in 97? Um, and then and last it was a year against Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And and then they announced it was going to be in Milan. So everyone was like, right, let's get to Milan. But obviously, many England fans may not have, have been to Milan. Um, you yourself, you, I guess you've been to Milan. Maybe you can just yes. give us a little lay of the land, what it's like. Well, Milan, first of all, the San Siro is uh, an iconic stadium. Yeah. Um, beautiful stadium. Very, shall we say, it was redone the roof for the 1990 World Cup, as you probably know, but is is showing its signs of age too. In fact, the England fans will be in the the top tier. The top tier, maybe you saw Inter Bayern game. There's the central section is closed off. Right. So there, I think the England fans will have maybe 2,000 on one side, 2,000 on the other side with a central section on both ends, the Curva North and the Curva Sud, which are closed. Why is that? Because there's a, a bit of a structural 
shall we say, damage. <laughs> so they reduce the capacity. So, yeah, you will find when you go both ends, the central sections are covered over with plastic sheeting, which is a bit of a shame because obviously, A, it reduces the capacity and B, the fans are separated. So you are very high up. The, the view's not bad, but you'll need your glasses. If you're over <laughs> 40, it's better you take your glasses. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the stadium's fantastic. There's talk, obviously, they want to demolish the Sands era and build a new Sands era. But knowing Italy will be years before they do it there. There's already two or three different projects. But in my opinion, minimum 10 years before they manage to demolish and build a new stadium. Because they have it's two clubs, Inter and AC Milan. So maybe one of them... Um, we'll stay, I don't know. Um, Italian clubs, obviously, apart from Juventus um, and Udinese, the stadiums are the property of the city, not the club. And they basically rent to the clubs and they pay a yearly rent. So the, the clubs will have to pay for themselves if they want to build a new stadium. And as we know, they're very expensive. But Milan's a good city. Is um, as we say, it's a bit like London for England. It's more expensive. It's where the stock exchanges. It's the fashion capital of Europe. Shopping is fantastic. Um, Pub-wise, eh, maybe for a British person, they're not bad. Um, the food's very good in any pub, in any restaurant. You can go, you'll find good food and not expensive. Um, and there's a couple I recommend, but... Um, Generally, yeah, the pubs are not not like English pubs, but they're generally quite quite small, quite modern. Right. Because obviously, pub is not not an Italian thing really. The main difference is they eat. Whenever you go ah. to the pub, you eat. the The culture is you eat when while you drink, which is probably yeah. is something I've got used to, and uh, I think it's probably a good idea too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the alcohol doesn't go to your head quite so much. The pubs, yeah, have beer from all over all over Europe. Definitely it's more kind of lager style, Belgian, German and Italian, obviously, lager style. You won't find many places that sell bitter. Um, mm. Some of the pubs sell cider and Guinness. Um, and the prices, uh, between six seven eight euros for a, a pint um in a pub you can get a burger and chips for seven or eight euros definitely in food you can buy the ah fantastic one there's a luini where you can buy panzerotti which is like a like a calzone pizza oh, yeah yeah fried and they cost about two euros 50 so sort of stuff yeah. you can eat on the go yes uh, and around the uh, Piazza Duomo, which I presume where most of the England fans will be, this is full of uh, fast food and street food, and so you don't have to spend. But it, it's a it's a beautiful city, very it's famous obviously for fashion. So I believe it's Fashion be, Week, isn't it? I don't know. It could be yes. Um, and the people in Italy in general are very very. Um, shall we say, conscious of what they wear, their look. In Milan, even more so. So you'll see the men, everyone dressed very well, suits, ties, the women too, uh, hair and makeup done. So it's quite a glamorous city. So if you want to go and see La Scala, the theatre, the Last Supper, the famous picture uh, painting of Jesus and the 12 disciples is in Milan. And is it the the transport around the city? So if someone's if if they're located in the the centre of the city, how how easy and straightforward no, is it to get to good. the there's, stadium? There's an underground system, but also a tram system. Um, and many people use the trams. Uh, the underground's clean. Uh, it's smaller city than Rome, so it's easier to travel around. But no, it's um, a city of two and a half millions. Yeah. So it's very simple to find your way around. There's a tube stop right at the San Zira, 20 minutes from the centre. 
I think it will be a relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. Um, we spoke before about you know, Italy not quite qualifying for the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. So obviously they're on a bit of a downer. Um, if they'd have qualified for the World Cup, I think there would have been 75,000 sold out. For them now, it's almost yeah an irrelevant game. Uh, Is there a real disinterest? At the moment, yeah, because obviously one year ago they won the Euros. Yeah. After the Euros, they uh, they drew twice with Switzerland. They drew with Romania. They drew in Northern Ireland. So there was um, very very most people were yeah shocked that they didn't qualify. This is the second World Cup in a row, obviously, that they haven't qualified for. So it will be 12 years between one World Cup and another. It's amazing. A country like Italy, there's kids growing up. They've never seen a World Cup. So so last year was a terrible time for me because, yeah, an England fan in Italy, (laughs) when we we lost that final, um, I literally shut myself uh, inside the house for a week. We were the only people, I think, in Italy who weren't celebrating. Everyone out on the streets, people their horns until four or five in the morning. And, uh, yeah, I went to bed. Yeah, my son was in tears. <laughs> uh, we, we all were. After they won the Euros, yeah, they've been very, very poor, to be honest. Um, they were a well, bit better in the Nations League. Obviously, Mancini's trying to bring through new players, younger players and the older players kind of moving out um but they they haven't maybe a striker they're missing uh, a good striker so it's kind well of the hard. well the previous game was the forgettable nil nil game in wolverhampton yes. there was no fans there um no. as was well documented and and as was well documented there'll be a sort of a ticketing issue come milan Obviously, there is the official allocation for England fans, which you mentioned, well, we'll we'll be in the high upper tier. But there is, as always with England games abroad, there are England fans who will look to source tickets in the the home end. And it's been it's been well documented that there's going to be name checks on the on the tickets and possibly you you won't get in if if you an English person trying to get into the home end. And I believe you've got experience of this. Yes. Um, like I said last year, obviously you remember there was England, Ukraine in Rome. Yeah. Uh, and it was a time of the COVID um, problems too. So basically they banned anyone from the UK traveling because they weren't part of the green pass system in Europe. Anybody in Europe who lived in mainland in the European Union could go and we bought tickets with my Italian identity card. Uh, we went to the match, no problems whatsoever. And there were maybe uh, 11 or 12,000 England fans. Uh, the capacity was reduced, obviously, for COVID. I think there were 18,500. Um, so there were fans from all over Europe, but not the UK. Yeah. So we thought it'd be the same again. And when we went to book tickets... 24th, 25th of August, came online, and yeah, with my UK, uh, born in the UK, uh, rejected my application. My son and his two friends, no problem, because my son was born in Italy. Um, And mine, so we have 66,000 British residents in Italy who basically can't go to the match because online system rejects your booking if you're born in the UK. Um, even though I've been here 18 years, I can't go to the match because I think they um, probably in Germany, a lot of England fans book tickets using maybe their hotel address as a resident um, and they got in the home end. So I don't think there were any problems, but they didn't want maybe 10, 12,000 England fans dispersed around the other three sides of the stadium. So they decided to do this. I don't know if it was the probably the local Questore, which is the local police. So the only way they could guarantee that England fans weren't in the other parts of the stadium was to basically ban 
uh, UK residents, and they do check. Do uh, they? Uh, everyone has an identity card in Italy, um, and when you book a ticket for any match, you have to put obviously your name and your identity card. You have to carry with you always. With a big game like this, definitely they will check. So you will need to take your passport. When we went to England, Ukraine, we, we were checked every... Oh, they were checking us in the pub to see we had the green pass, right. to check we were residents in the European Union. Um, yeah, we had Caribbean police come in the pubs. I was checked maybe three or four times before I got in the stage. Wow. Uh, and I think every there were police everywhere with blocks before the like I said, the first was in the pub. Then we were blocked on the road before we got anywhere near the stadium. And then maybe another two checks. Um, and the final check was after we went through the the turnstiles. So <laughs> so yeah, it's a shame because I think the the sensible thing to do would obviously offer to the travel club first. And then maybe in that end, 10,000 tickets on sale for residents in Italy uh, at least. So at least the, the English residents could go. Yeah. So. Well, that's good to know how potentially the uh, the procedures will be. Um, and maybe just sort of reminiscing a little bit. And you mentioned Rome, Stadio Olimpico. Um, yes. And I know you were, you were there once before in 97 yes i went um in fact i went to the game at wembley too oh yeah yes so did i was one of, one of the first games i remember watching england uh, the game when Gianfranco zola scored be yeah. ian walker after sol campbell i think had tried to put a exactly. challenge in yes exactly. i was there too at the old wembley yeah um, again i was living in when in london and then yeah the game in rome Maybe my favourite game I went for that, we got tickets for the England-Spain game in Euro 96, where the famous Stuart Pearce yeah. redemption when he scored his penalty. Maybe the loudest crowd I've ever been amongst um, at the old Wembley. Incredible noise. The old Wembley, I think, as we know, wasn't the best stadium in the world. It was... Uh, a bit old. The views were not great because uh-huh. it was quite quite low in a way. And uh, but the atmosphere, because of the the low roof, the atmosphere was fantastic. Stuart, it's uh, it's been great to speak to you. Some great memories there. I can't let you go before. Uh, obviously, you work in a uh, an English speaking school in Italy. Yeah. Give us a couple of Italian phrases that will get us by for England fans over there. A couple of phrases. Well, in Milan, most of the people, certainly in the pubs and restaurants, will speak a bit of English. But for a beer, una birra, birra, per favore. Food is quite simple because a lot of it's they use like hamburger, they use uh. the English, patatina fritta, chips, coffee, etc. You can use the Italian terms we all know, espresso, cappuccino. Mocha, latte. I think you won't have problems. Every menu, generally, they're written underneath in English too. Uh, Enjoy the day. San Siro's an iconic stadium uh, and maybe the last chance for many people to visit. Great. Anyway, very nice to talk to you and uh, good luck to England next Friday, but most of all, good luck in the World Cup. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Right, we've been to Italy. Let's go to uh, to Germany. Uh, it gives me great pleasure, as always, to welcome back our our resident German English fan, uh, Marco Canauer. Marco, hello there. Yeah, hello from Germany to all my English brothers and sisters. <laughs> How are you? Are you well? Yeah, I'm 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 well so far on my own with my wife too, because of the situation that the Queen has died last week. It was a really, really sad week, and um, the feelings were were with 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 England and with a with a with a queen and with a with a family of the queen, and yeah, it's a very sad week. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear it from a from a German point of view. What's I know, obviously, your your loyalties lie with England. Um, but what what's the the German reaction and the, and the sort of reaction of the German public been to the passing of the Queen? Yeah, you have to make a, a little difference between me and my wife and my family, who are standing with a with a with a monarch family and with a, with the royals and with with England and the normal German um, population, the normal German population. I think only a few a few number of residents of Germany are feeling um, as we do, and the most people are not interested in Germany. What is going on? Mm. was Queen or in England and yeah, you know, the most Germans um, are not so educated to, to to realize what happened to the world with the, with, the, with the death of the Queen and yeah, so we are really, 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 um, we were shocked, yeah, and my friends um, in Germany were shocked too, but the normal residents, the normal people in Germany, yeah, they are not interested, they are more interested on the situation with the, with the rising prices and with the, with the rising um, energy prices and, and food prices and so yeah. on, you know. And, yeah, that's the situation here. Yeah, no, that, that's understandable. Obviously, different countries have, have different feelings. And obviously, she she wasn't a head of state of Germany. Um, but it will be... From an English point of view, um, it's going to be interesting. Or it's going to be it's going to be emotional. I think the way that England supporters come together um, to remember her in the in these forthcoming games against Italy and Germany. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a very very um, powerful situation to all the England supporters because now it's time. To sing, I don't know what what are the plans for for my Lano, um to sing the last time God Save the Queen or even God Save the King. I don't know what what is planned, but it's a very emotional uh, emotional situation to to take part. It's the first game. Yeah, with a new king and singing the new anthem of England, and um, yeah, it will be a very very yeah emotional yeah. situation to be part of it. I'm I'm proud to be part of it. That that I, I can take part at the first at first time singing the new national anthem was was God Save the King, but hopefully we will we will sing the last time God Save the Queen and yeah it's very emotional a very emotional situation. My feeling is to to I'm really proud to take part of it in Italy and then even against Germany at Wembley and yeah it will be very emotional. Yeah. So, well, let's let's talk football. You're you're going to be um, going to both games, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to both games. So for the first game, I'm I'm going with my son Tobias. He's uh, arriving from Cyprus, coming um, to Milan, and there we meet up with our friends and then go to the uh, match against Italy. And then I go back to uh, Hamburg. Then my wife arrives at the airport, and then. In the morning of, of on, on Sunday, we are going to uh, to London Heathrow and then going directly to Wembley yeah, to take part at the game on Monday against Germany. Yeah. Now, I've been speaking to an Italian correspondent, Stuart, um, and he was saying about, obviously, tickets for England supporters in the home end um are are being very much restricted for england supporters obviously you're of german nationality have you had any issues getting tickets for the game or, or are you actually in the the travel club uh, the away supporters end yeah yeah you are right i'm i'm a member of the travel club and i had the, the real real i was really lucky to get in the ballot and I was successful in the ballot and I, I got two tickets. My son is also a member of the travel club, also my wife, and we have tickets um, with, a, with a travel club. Yeah, and I know it's a very, uh, very difficult situation to get tickets for the home end because um, yeah, you have to to um, fill in your ID, your ID uh, numbers and so on. And yeah, I heard about it and I, my some of my friends have the, the, the luck in the battle and they, they are trying to get tickets in the home end. But I don't know if, if they will be successful or even if they were um, yeah sorted out at the, at the, at the entrance from, from the security staff. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I was lucky to get the tickets um, over the travel club. Yeah. Ah, so you'll be you'll be high up in the uh, the gods of the San Siro. We, uh, we must sort of meet up and say hello there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So then you say you, after 
um, Italy away. You're going back to Hamburg to get a, a flight to Wembley for for the Germany game, which is the last game of this Nations League campaign. Yeah, for sure. That's the last game, yeah. And um, because of that, I'm really happy to to um, playing against Germany, even at Wembley. And um, I think also it will be a very emotional evening. Um, I heard about um, that the German football team and the English football team will um, have a, a minute of silence uh, to respect the Queen. And I think it will be also a very emotional evening um, at Wembley playing against uh, Germany, which is for his own um, a very um, yeah, emotional game to both countries. Um, yeah, I, I took part at Munich. It was also very uh, amazing atmosphere in the Munich arena. And so we are happy with my wife, Heike, um, to take part at Wembley against Germany. Yeah. I mean, just going back to that game in Munich, I was there as well. And, and England, well, they... Got got a little bit lucky, really, right at the end, and and grabbed a draw. But it was a a great atmosphere um, in the uh, in the Allianz Arena for with, for the England fans. Yeah, and yeah, but but luck is part of the game. Luck is um, also part of of playing football um, for every time. And yeah, the game has ninety minutes, and we made the we made the goal. And uh, yeah, so um, the result is, is very comfortable. Um, when you take a look at its game, yeah. But, um, yeah, the atmosphere was very good. Um, in Munich, uh, I hadn't the luck to uh, to get the tickets uh, with the travel club, so uh, we were sitting in the home end, um, full full of English ones, yeah. And it was a very, um, very peaceful and very good atmosphere, even with the Germans uh, sitting nearby. No problems, no stress. Uh, the Germans were also very respectful um, to 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 uh, the English ones, to to our fans, yeah, to our supporters. Um, even we were very so um, respectful to them. Uh, there were no problems, and it was a really amazing atmosphere, really amazing evening. No trouble outside the arena, no trouble inside the arena. So it was a really, really fantastic football evening and a very, very uh, fantastic. Very fantastic days at Munich. We had a big party in the pubs in the evening hmm. with no stress coming up. Yeah, it was really, really amazing. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed my time over there. Uh, I mean, on the on the football in front, Germany, they're currently second in the Nations League group. They've had three one-all draws, one all with Italy, one all with England, one all with Hungary, and then they beat Italy 5-2. So all of a sudden... They're on a bit of a roll uh, with with five goals there. What's what's the feeling in Germany with these last two games coming up? Are they looking towards possible qualification for the Nations League finals, or is the World Cup being spoken about in Germany now? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because um, either the Nations League or the World Cup is um, at the moment. Of, of the feeling of the German supporters. Um, no one is speaking at the moment about the World Cup here, yeah? Right. At, yeah, and even at my office, uh, where, very, uh, where many football-oriented people, yeah, and football-interested people, but nobody is speaking about the World Cup because of the, the fact that it's in Qatar, yeah, and uh, a lot of people have problems taking uh, the, the World Cup at Qatar. And so the Nations League uh, wasn't a, a very big, point here in Germany. So yeah, the football interested people um, look at the at the results and, and are watching the game on TV, yeah. But at the moment um, it's not a, a big a big scene here in Germany. What are general German supporters' thoughts towards Qatar and them hosting the World Cup? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation because um, a lot of German supporters are not very happy um, that the World Cup is, is placed in Qatar because of the political reasons and because of the, the human rights reasons and so on. And, and it's very far away. Even the, the most point is that it's in the winter time. Yeah, here in Germany, mm. in, in, in the winter time, everybody is uh, looking towards Christmas time. Yeah, and 
being at the winter market, at the Christmas market, drinking his, 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 his hot wine and, and eating some, some cakes and so on. And it's a very, very strange situation that the World Cup is taking part in the winter. And um, even on my own, I'm not um, really um, yeah, uh, sure um, how I will feel when the World Cup starts at Qatar. Yeah? You know, it's, it's the first time in my life that um, the World Cup is taking uh, is, is taking part in the winter time, and so nobody here in Germany or the most people don't know how to handle the situation. And um, the, the, the big cities like Berlin or Hamburg already said that there's no fan mile. Yeah, normally we have in Germany big um, public viewing fan miles. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, they they don't do anything this year because it's in the winter time. And because of the um, situation with the electricity and the rising prices of the energy, so nobody could uh, could handle the situation with the rising prices and having big parties in the in the in the streets. Yeah, and yeah, that's the situation right now here in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you uh, or what the what the feeling is there. It is a very strange time of the year to have a World Cup. Oh, it's just different. We're not used to it, and and obviously I appreciate. Obviously, in uh, in Germany, you are very famous for having your your Christmas markets. I've experienced a couple of those um, previously, and and I imagine that having a uh, a big massive football tournament around those, like people being distracted by them, may just take away I don't know the the magic of it. It, it is quite a magical time over in Germany, there, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Everybody, as I said, yeah, everybody's going to the Christmas markets. Um, and even after the time with, with COVID, where everything was forbidden, no Christmas markets and so on. So everybody's looking uh, forward um, to, to uh, take part. And the, it's a special feeling in the Christmas time. And most of the people don't think about football. And, they, and I think, and I spoke to, to many um, mates in the office and of, with, with my friend, they didn't realize that there's a World Cup in November, December. Nobody has really realized it. Uh, realizing it that there's a world cup because it's so strange yeah you know yeah yeah no i understand i understand well just going back to to england obviously we've got two games left italy away and germany at home what do you think's going to happen can england get the results that we need to to stay in this group or are we going to be relegated oh <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question. I, I think it will depend on the evening, and I think it's it's a close uh, game there. So both teams, um, I think, can win. Yeah, both teams have the possibility to make the game, um, but I think it will depend on the form on the evening. I think for England, it will be interesting how we will we will play at at Italy and Italy. And I think if we have a good run in Italy, and I think that uh, when when the team has um, his routine and has a good spirit and, and the power from Italy, then I think everything is possible, even to be Germany at Wembley. But I think when we have problems at Italy and it will be a close game, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally convinced that, <laughs> that, that we will stay in the group. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, know. It's, it will be very hard. I think it all depends on the Italy game. And we take the feeling from Italy to Wembley and I think that will make the difference um, even to win or to lose, yeah? Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Get a, uh, a last-minute winner in Milan and then take that confidence to Wembley and, yeah. and beat Germany 5-1 again. <laughs> that would be really, really great. Seeing <laughs> Harry Kane is on my mind. He is England's number nine, yeah. That's right, yes, we'll get that going again, yes. Marco, thank you very much for your time. As always, it's, uh, it's really appreciated. Um, and, and let's meet up and, and say hello and, and have a beer. For sure. I can't wait for it and have a great time. We see us over there in Italy and um, also in London. And uh, many, many warm greetings from your German branch to all my English brothers and sisters. And yeah, can't wait for it. Thanks as always for tuning in, always appreciated, and my thanks go to Stuart and to Marco for their time there. You can follow both of them on social media, I've linked to them on the Three Lions Podcast Twitter account. 
Now, one thing Marco did mention was the singing of the national anthem. It was something that I also wanted to just briefly touch on. The Italy game away in Milan will be the first game England fans will come together for since the passing of the Queen. And it will be the new era under King Charles III. This will be our first opportunity to sing the new national anthem. Already I've heard various ideas of of how to show our respect. My own personal belief is to sing God Save the King. Then, as as what the Premier League um, recommended for their recent round of games, a period of applause on 70 minutes to celebrate the Queen's years on the throne. Whatever is agreed, it would be great if it's sung loud and proud. And once again, from a personal perspective, if ever there was an opportunity to lose the no surrender that has infiltrated the anthem, then this would be the ideal time. Incidentally, the last time England fans sung God Save the King was back in November 1951 for a friendly at home to Austria. There's something you can tell your friends. Also, with the way the country has been under the spotlight this last couple of weeks, let's try and ensure that that reputation is seen once again whilst abroad. Let's make sure we put on a good show so that certain sections of the media don't have that angle to bash England fans. I'm going to leave it at that. If you're going to Milan, have a safe trip there and get back in time to be at Wembley. I'll be back with you very soon, looking back on these two games. Hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, in a positive frame of mind. So until then, look after yourselves, take care. Cheers.